part-time fanboy. Fanboy.com. Yes, hello. This is Lindsay reporting to you live from <laughs> How about you, Jay? Frozen North. Okay, <laughs> I speak normally. Nice. It's actually not frozen. It's raining right now. It's disgusting. It's it's raining here. Well, it's going to rain tonight and then uh it rained yesterday too. So it's I mean yes. day before yesterday. Uh, LA is about to be hit there? with a monsoon, I should say. Yes, oh, that's what oh, I hear. Uh, like yeah. hardcore get hit. Yeah, Yeesh. everyone's freaking out. I can tell you that. <laughs> you got uh, water stored up and all that. Oh yeah, I mean we we have earthquake prep stuff like ready to go, right. and right. we're lucky enough to have solar panels and uh, oh, stuff nice. like that. Awesome. So yeah, we're okay. I mean yeah, I mean you have to in this city where there's you sure. know the chance of an earthquake or anything but yeah right and godzilla that's I've like you know in montana we have to have bear spray like you know most places <laughs> people are like what bear spray that's a thing and we're like yeah you you actually can't go hiking here without bear spray like that's so funny you shouldn't anyway. that's you great can't. that's great well welcome back welcome back to the podcast thanks we're, we're not here actually, to talk about bear spray or or earthquakes or rain <laughs> We're here to talk I mean, about you. Whatever you want to talk about, we're games. Okay, so, let's talk about you know, bear spray. We want to talk about raining bear spray. And <laughs> raining bear spray. That's when you know <laughs> it really is the end of times, when it's raining bear spray. Yeah. That's not good. That's, That's not good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. We're not here to talk about raining bear spray or apocalypse. Well, you know, I yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're not here to talk about the apocalypse or the rain or any of that stuff. We're here to talk about your new book or a new the chapter it's not a new book but it's a new chapter of your book and yes. it's a new we, issue yeah. yeah yeah and we should say it's uh oneshi press right i got the pronunciation yep. correct again perfect yes, you did. Thank nice you. i keep nailing it i'm so good at that <laughs> i'm usually terrible at pronunciations and one I should... day you'll slip up and we'll be there to yeah. catch you <laughs> i i hey man it's like i have to remind myself it's not one she it's oneshi like like yeah. you know yeah. so oneshi press and we have Lindsay g on the line and jl draco on the line yeah. and you currently have a kickstarter well i should also say should say that this is the part-time fanboy podcast and my name is christian horn don't want to forget oh, that yeah. <laughs> that's kind of important but you have a kickstarter a new issue for your book called pack right it's not the pack, pack it's just pack right just yeah pack. Just pack. yeah and this is the fourth issue correct yes, yes. it's the fourth out of what will be seven so oh this is seven a limited oh, okay. series and we've got seven planned this is the fourth Got you. These gotcha. seven all take place before the apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. That's what I was going to say. The environment that it's in, it feels a little apocalyptic. <laughs> the, yeah. You know, yeah. uh, the it's environment. It's kind of like 90s urban, which was pretty apocalyptic. Yeah. I, mean, I was going to say 80s, actually. In the 90s, you were like, okay, 
This, yeah. this checks out. I'm in True. the apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I should say that um, I did a reread of like the first three issues because you were kind enough to like actually send me stuff in the mail, which is oh, like, of course. that's great. Yeah. And I know that these things cost money and I always feel bad you know, taking no. stuff from creators because, you know, I no. I do stuff on my own, too. And I know that stuff costs money. And, and but uh, I appreciate you sending me the first three chapters and I, I reread them this morning. And, you know, it's like I have to say, like, like, it's such a good um, like, I mean, it felt like I was reading something. You said 90s, but to me, maybe because I'm a little older, it felt 80s. It felt like Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. It felt mm -hmm. like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, it felt definitely. like like that sort of like nihilistic sort of like uh, gritty, grungy sort of like tale. I, I, am I okay in explaining it in that, that manner? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm an 80s kid. So like, okay. I, I grew up with all of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, me that too. Was, you know, and I was yeah. reading like the, the Dark Horse comics also. And, you know they always went into like the grit and like yeah. that's something that I feel like is very um, it's like iconic of that time, you yeah. know? And I think aesthetically too, a lot of your inspiration for the art was pulled from the early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Look, yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. So even visually it's got a lot of that going on. Yeah. Um, well, even the lead guy, the lead sort of like vigilante, why, why don't you tell people, um, like do the elevator pitch. I always say like, like dance monkey dance, like tell people, <laughs> tell people like what you think, like, uh, I mean the description of the book, because obviously it's called pack and you know, we've already said that it has this kind of like, at least to me, like, you know, mid early eighties kind of like aesthetic. Um, what is pack about just so we can let people know and get that out of the way. And then we can talk about the aesthetics of the book, which I very much enjoyed. Sure. Well, I have a question. Are people listening right now? Are we live? No, no, we're not live. Oh, this no. is all recorded, pre-recorded. Pre okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wait, oh, so, but we are recording right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Um, Give us your best pitch. All right. There's, this is a story about six stray dogs and one stray man with no tolerance for abuse of the innocent. And they roam the back alleys putting crime under the fang. Nice. But crime doesn't stop at street level. And figuring out who's the good guys and who's the bad is not so simple. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. 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 I mean, uh, we should say that the dogs are like actual dogs, not like Teenage Mutant, like not mute, mutated. Like, yeah. yeah. This is not a Scooby-Doo situation. It's yeah. not a TMNT situation. These are dogs that do not speak, uh, but they do all have their their very distinct personalities. So yeah. each issue of the series focuses on a different member of the pack. So we get to see their backstories, but also through the lens of the fact that they can't speak. So we never fully know exactly where they came from. Yeah. All we can get is what patience, the man who runs with the pack, is able to, to glean from their behavior and from what he thinks happened to them. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, you know, just like with any rescue animal situation, you find this animal and you get as much info as you can about their background, but you're never really gonna know everything that they've been through. Yeah. And there's a little bit of like detective comics, you know, mm -hmm. bleeding in there. Like he makes suppositions that actually sound pretty good, 
Now, that could be him making a leap and just asserting that it's true, but there's always that thing about, like, detective stories, right? It's like, well, are they, like, using the force? Is it a gut instinct? Like, <laughs> yeah. how do they, you know, how are they able to piece that together? That's what from we call his, good police work. From his <laughs> clues, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like Batman, you know. So Patience does kind of piece together their backstories, but it's a little bit like, well, he could be a little inaccurate, or, you know, he could be, like, using gut instinct or something, you know. Um, or maybe he's really just deeply connected to these dogs. But I think, you know, Lindsay touched on something that's really important here is they don't speak human language, you know. But dogs do communicate. And any, you know, dog lovers, I think, will really appreciate that we took the time to really show how the dogs communicate, you know a cock of the head, a raise of the ears or an eyebrow, you know, things that dogs in real life really do the when they're trying to tell you, sorry. you know. <laughs> this is going to say something stupid. <laughs> no, no, now you have to. It's going to say a particularly poignant butt sniff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, no, you can't no. Take me anywhere. <laughs> no, I know all about it. We had a dog ours passed like last June and it was really Aww. sad, but he was a he was a he was a stray we got him at the the local shelter and all that stuff. So I totally understand what you're talking about, like with dogs attempting to communicate or refusing to communicate with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, part of, I, in, in our sort of like email correspondence, I mean, you have said that this book was sort of like very important to both of you. Um, and obviously reading the book, it, it's, there are several read it's, I mean, there's a lot in there, but most of it seems to be, um, geared towards like the abuse of animals, or I guess in this case, particularly dogs, but I would imagine the abuse of animals like in general, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think abuse of the innocent covers it because there's also, you know, when we talk about, um, how they're, you know, it's a crime noir. Now, these guys aren't like cops. Like, they're not against crime in general. They're against abuse of the innocent. Yeah. And sometimes abuse of the innocent might be lawful, but uh -huh. awful, you know? Ooh, um, lawful, but awful. I like that. And sometimes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes the bad guys might be the enforcers. Sometimes yeah. the bad guys might be you know, someone mugging someone like, but it's not like they're like, Hey, you didn't file your taxes. We're going to go angry dog on you. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, oh no, we forgot to file on time. The pack is at our door. Yeah, yeah, here we go. <laughs> you know, oh. like they don't care about like parking unless like maybe if you parked in a way that like made someone who was handicapped, not right, able yeah, to access their home. Yeah, don't do that. You know, they like that's like something that. they would be pissed off about. Yeah. Yeah, but it's all about like to them. It's like this is an obvious abuse. What mm -hmm. is, what are who are you abusing? You know, so it could be animal abuse or you know, well yeah, lots at, of things. There's the, systemic abuse. At you the know? basic level, this is a story about you know a a group that is trying to prevent the abuse of the innocent and a lot of the sort of street level stuff that they see and respond to is the result or is a symptom of things that are going on like way over all of their heads. Mm, mm, you know, mm. uh, patients in the pack are not going to be allowed into city you know, hall. the city hall, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the places where these decisions take place, but they, they certainly see 
the results of it in, you know, the longtime residents being pushed out of a gentrifying neighborhood, um, the police force you know, abusing innocent people, um, and they're doing what they can at sort of the, the very base level by, like, trying to treat the symptoms of a much more insidious disease. Yeah. And, uh, when we, we lived in Brooklyn together for a few years, um, JL lived in Brooklyn for years before that. I lived in the Bronx for a long time in Harlem. Oh. Um, and we both saw this happening. You know, yeah. we were we were watching it happen around us before we left New York. And um, you're talking about the gentrification and all that the stuff. The gentrification right? yeah. and, yeah. and the way that the it, it gets pushed by people in power. Corporate driven gentrification, yeah. urban development, you know. Um, real estate driven gentrification and, it's it's very systemic yeah, it's very big and top down and it's bigger than most people realize um, and we saw it happening to the people and to the animals who lived with those people and mm -hmm. you know um, they're all innocent like no, nobody at the street level deserves any of this and yeah. yet it's happening to them and so we're telling the story through the eyes of the innocent Mostly, you know, yeah. we also have the characters who are in the seats of power who are driving this, but the real story is told through sort of the innocent bystanders. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, it seems like at first when I was reading the book, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it has to deal with a pack of animals that have become sort of like vigilantes. And, and like you said, like a, yeah. like a stray man, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Very much like, again, like that sort of brought in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. He reminded me a little bit of like Casey Jones from, uh, from, yeah. Yeah, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, at least the design of his outfit a little bit and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, which is like that, that was the one thing that hit, hit me. I was like, how many dog vigilantes are there i mean i know that dc has like masked dog but his costume didn't look like a dog like you know what i mean like this his costume like how many like i mean i know there's a lot of cat but like how many dog like i just thought that that was really kind of neat and interesting and and the design of the mask and stuff like that i was like oh like like they fully went out with like the dog design, like they didn't hold back at all. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of cool, but it just, awesome. it seems like as I was reading the book initially, I was like, okay, this is about like the victimization of animals and, and things like that. But as you go through, you know, again, like you said, gentrification and stuff like that. And it is about sort of like, uh, how do I explain it? Sort of like crime on different levels at different yeah. levels of society. And the societal structure not necessarily being able to protect or caring to protect like these right. different levels. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. very much, very much, very much. And, and we do tell, like I said, the story of each of the members of the pack. So, you know, we're going through the stories of the dogs. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a tight rope act to, figure out how to tell the backstories of these dogs without going really hard on depictions of terrible things happening to dogs, because yeah. these are hero dogs and we want to tell their stories. And like, it's, it's, um, this kind of subject matter is difficult across the board because you, it's important that these stories get told for sure. But we yeah. also don't want to focus heavily on the gruesome reality 
of these situations happening in real life. Yeah. And I think that kind of, it, it is across the board. Like we do, we want, it's obviously we wouldn't be telling the story if we didn't think it was important for people to really dig into it and think about it and see it, you know, from a new perspective. Yeah. Um, but we also don't want people to be like, Oh God, I'll never read that that series because it's all about animal cruelty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I think we do a pretty cruelty to people. It's um, so we're trying to measure uh, in each, in each issue, like, okay, it's important that people understand that this happens. Yeah. And yet we want it to be an engaging and fun story that people want to come back to. So there's a lot going on. Like you said, I think we do a pretty good job of trying to let the reader know the reality of what's happening without like tormenting you with shock value imagery. <laughs> sure. Like we're not doing the graphic, you know, I'm not going to show a dog being like graphically harmed. Of course. That's just not something I'm going to draw. Of it's course. not something I want to subject anyone to, but I also want you to know, like this, this beautiful goodest boy went through some bad shit. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh, can I curse? I'm sorry. Yeah, of course you can. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he went through some bad heck and it was, <laughs> And I yeah. did him a grump, and now he's all grumpy. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Well, and and that's the other thing about the pack is, um, you know, these all of these issues that we're talking about are super complex. You know, mm -hmm. there's so many levels, there's so many people involved, making so many decisions. But to the dogs, it's simple. Yeah. You know, the, somebody's beating up someone who doesn't deserve it. We're going to rip them to pieces. Yeah. And yeah. that's where, you know, the, the ambiguity comes back in is like, okay, so, you know. It's, they're a pack of dogs. They're not, they're not going to do a citizen's arrest. You yeah. Know? Like, right. But so, you know, say somebody um, is facing eviction or, you know, somebody is facing possibly going to jail for like selling weed that they weren't supposed to sell or, you know, what have you. Um, any of these things that are more or less innocent people abusing other innocent people because it's the situation they find themselves in. It actually can be really complicated, but the dogs are just like, Oh hell no. And they it's might simple. You raise your hand to that kid. You're losing your hand. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and they might kill you. Yeah. So there's, there's ambiguity across the board. <laughs> yeah. But to the dogs, there's no ambiguity. It's good versus evil. So yeah. like in a very human sense, they're, they could be looked at as bad guys. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. You know, they're yeah. vigilantes. Well, I mean, yeah. They are. They, they are yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's, uh, that's it. I mean, it's just that they are outlaws. They're bad guys, but they're, they're, they're chaotic. Good. You know, they do their good <laughs> as it feels to them when it feels to them. And that's that, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, well, it's lawful good if you're following dog law. <laughs> yeah. But even they don't, I mean, they also go with the moment, you know, they're not yeah. following a law. They don't have a rigid structure <laughs> around mentality. it. Like, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, mean, it's just do. literally whatever feels like the good thing to do in the moment. That's what they do. They're yeah. dogs. Yeah. And I mean, there is kind of a sense of like justice and policing. Like if you ever have been around like, you know, a few dogs, if someone all of a sudden starts acting out of line and, you know, the the most admirable of the dogs there that all the other dogs want to be like, you know, <laughs> is like, Oh heck no. Yeah. They're all going to be like, Oh heck no. Yeah. And that's a scary situation. If, mm -hmm. if like a bunch of dogs are like, Oh heck no at you, you're like, Oh dang, I messed up. You know, yeah. <laughs> mistakes yeah. were made. like, 
Um, so we're just like, well, what, what happens if we turn the volume up to 11 on that kind of situation? <laughs> yeah, you, know? you definitely make... turned it up to 11. That's that's yeah. that's for sure. I mean, that was one of the things I wanted to discuss, particularly about like the dogs. Right. Because obviously animal abuse is like a horrible thing. I mean, I know our dog was like very anxious all the time and had like, you know, and there were a lot of things that we had to walk through with him, you know, through the years where it's like, oh, we don't know what was done to you. And I, I always said to my wife, I was always like, if I ever met the people that had this dog before us, I would probably want to beat the shit out of them because like, yeah, it, it was that's obvious deal. that he was neglected, yeah. right? This beautiful, like cute Aww. little animal, right? Right. Like yeah. not treated well. Um, but that's the thing too, is that a lot of these, the, the dogs in your book, like, I mean, there's even like, Part of it is like there's reports of like the dogs like actually eating people. Right. And it's right. like what's interesting to me about this. And I should have sent you this before the podcast. There was a whole 60 minutes like story like a year ago or something, maybe a year and a half ago about dogs and how they've been domesticated and how um, the DNA or, or like the 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 anatomy or DNA of dogs is so close to humans that they that they uh, research dogs to um, sort of like uh, come up with cures for what humans have and stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah. like uh, analyze them, study them, you know, not torture them, at least in this report, you know. Um, yeah. and, and so for me, what was really, and if I can find that, I'll send it to you after the podcast because I found it fascinating. Um, yeah. But it was interesting. It, it's interesting to me how, now these dogs are sort of on the street, like they're vigilantes, and they are moving away from that sort of like domesticity that humans yeah. have imposed on them, right? They're sort yeah. of maybe a bit more in their natural state. Can you speak to that a bit? So there's, you know, the difference between, right, domestication and um, taming. Yeah. So you can tame a wild animal, mm -hmm. and that wild animal might be your friend and you might have, you know, mutual purpose, mutual respect, even mutual admiration, but still on a physical level, it's a wild animal. Its DNA is that of its, you know, wild kin. Whereas domestication is something that takes place over thousands of years. Yeah. Um, domestication is not done to an individual. It's done to a genome, yeah. right? A genetic structure you are literally making an animal distinct from its wild kin. Yeah. So a domestic animal can go feral and be a stray, but it's still domestic. Uh -huh. So these are still domesticated dogs, but they're feral. And that's true of patients too. He's a human, which is a domesticated animal, but he's a feral human. And I think <laughs> that humans, you know, we have... Um, this generalized anthrocentricity, which is probably a... Wait, wait, you might have to break that one down. Okay, so <laughs> there's this idea that humans are exceptional amongst creatures on Earth. Sure. Um, that we are the, the lords and gods here. Yeah. But we are truly a, an extremely domesticated animal. Yeah. We have co-domesticated ourselves along with the other animals that we've domesticated, you know? Our bovine and, and ovine and, you know, our uh, dogs and cats, like, together, those domestications have allowed us to domesticate ourselves, and we've been domesticated with them, you yeah. know? Um, but a human can still go stray, 
like you can still you'll never be wild you'll never be a wild animal because you are domesticated but stray is when you lose that um that sense of like cultured social responsibility yeah right when you realize that all the rules are made up and nothing matters yeah, <laughs> like, yeah i'm gonna eat the rich you know yeah, maybe what, literally that's what um, patience has has done that's where he's at so he's here with these dogs and they're all stray you yeah. know they're stray together they're a feral pack yeah um, and i think that seeing that these dogs are communicating but without language and seeing that he's communicating with them without language. Like there's something there that kind of speaks to bridging that gap of how similar we are. And actually one of the dogs, Temperance, uh, Temperance is the dog from um, whose backstory we explore in pack three. He's a great Dane. Um, He is owned by someone who's doing mental health research on an electromagnetic cortical stimulator designed Whoa. to help um, stave off dementia. Okay. Right? So the idea of that device is that by keeping that that pulse of stimulation, it keeps those um, synaptic patterns in use, and that mm. keeps them fluid and strong, right? Yeah. And so here, this dog is being experimented on and it's not it's not a invasive device like it just fits on his head he just won't let anyone remove it because now he's smart enough to realize like this is what's making him smarter this is the last thing i have from the human that i've haven't seen since oh i thought it was an implant at when i read through so it's 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 not actually an implant okay gotcha 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 okay Um, but it's very fitted so you'd have to like pry it off got it got it got it got it it's attached you know so to speak like it clicks on um but it is one of those things that's like this is designed to work on humans let's try it on a dog because their minds are so close to ours in so many ways yeah and in one of the ways that they're close to ours, even chimpanzees can't match. And it's the idea, we were just reading this great book, um, Survival of the Friendliest. And one of the things they go over. Yep, is, that's part is, of what was in the 60 Minutes, uh, the, that yeah, book. They were talking about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, go on, go on. Because this is fascinating yeah, so stuff. we talking about this idea that like one thing that humans can do that none of the research animals can do is project what will be somewhere Uh so like you could point to a place and be like i'm going to put this there by pointing and another human will be like oh i get it you're gonna do that over there but a chimp will be like why are you pointing there there's nothing there yeah they don't get that you're saying something will be there go over there i'm gonna throw the ball over there but a dog a dog you can point somewhere and they'll be like, oh, okay, I get it. If Some dogs. If you've played that I, game enough. I definitely enough, had some dogs. And the dog know. is smart enough. <laughs> I mean, it's also, well, there's breed, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and then we talk about pure breeds, which is literally removing genetic information. And all that's left is that pure breed. Yeah. So a pure breed has less genetic information than a natural dog that is a mutt and has, you know, all the doggy DNA. Like... Any purebred is going to be 
less in that sense. Oh. So there's going to be a lot of different breed specific things where some are a little bit dopier and maybe don't get that as well. Or some are like really like that's all they do is try to focus on what they think you're going to do next. And, yeah. you know, you have like your herding dogs where if you don't give yeah, them like, something to do, they go, you know, ballistic. Well, and, and herding dogs like a border collie, like their whole thing is trying to figure out where a sheep is going to be next. Yeah. So, so. Right. So, but when we have like a mixed dog, that's like just a, a broad general mix. Um, they have those traits that humans have Yeah. that like, you know, even chimpanzees do not have. Yeah. There's yeah. something, you know. there's something specific, I think to the human and the dog brain that makes us social in a way that even a lot of other social animals don't have. And I, I think that what the book we're talking it's about is positing is cooperation. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that we actually co-domesticated each other. Yeah, to enhance that sense of cooperation. Yeah, that was part of that sixty minutes things where, like, part of like the dog survival, or you know, that that part of the whatever you want to call it, domesticity, taming, or whatever of the dog happened m more quickly than it would than anything should have happened naturally, like or or in evolution, because dogs kind of like taught themselves or realized that humans will give me things like, you know what yeah. I mean? And you know, if I'm cool or if I listen to them and stuff like that and somewhere along the way, that sort of like, like you said, co whatever, uh, cooperation between man and dog, uh, sure. accelerated quick, quicker than I think like whatever the medical community or scientists thought could, how it should happen like over time. Right. And right. it was really quick. Yeah. I find that stuff like really fascinating, especially because I happen to love dogs. So <laughs> like yeah. dogs are, are great. I'm not so much a cat person, which is funny because my comic is about cats, but like, yeah, oh, that's I've, funny. We have two cats and our comic is about dogs. So, yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's so funny. But let me, let me ask you <laughs> talking about dogs, JL. So, so you did the art on this. Um, yeah. and, and Lindsay, you wrote it. Did you come up with the idea and bring it to jail or was this before you met jail? Cause I think you said Actually, in the book, it was like 2011 that you first like came up with the idea, right? Yeah, actually it was, it was vice versa. Um, oh, jail okay. had the concept, but at that time did not consider himself a writer. Okay. Um, so when, when we first met, I was writing Tracy Queen, one of our other series. Yeah. Um, and I was looking for an artist. And then I met JL, and he was like, incidentally, I'm an artist. Um, yeah. And he was like, I'm I... an incidental artist. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and at the same time, he had been developing this concept for Pack, And he's like, well, I'm an artist, but I'm not a writer. And I was like, ding, 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 I'm a writer. <laughs> so yeah. um, the concept and a lot of the like the broad strokes of the story were already in place, but JL needed someone to, you know, put the words on the paper. Um, so although like I am the writer because I put the words on the paper, JL and I are both very much like the co-conceptualizers of Pack. And Got each it. time we start on a new issue, we sit down together and figure out, you know, the again, the sort of the broad strokes of each issue and what's coming up next that we need to like prepare people for. Um, and then I go in and, and do the actual typing. Got it. Got it. So, I mean, because this kind of, well, like the question that I sort of had as kind of like an artist myself for JL is it was like drawing dogs, drawing animals, like, like illustrating animals. Like that is definitely 
can be a hard spot for artists and stuff like that. Oh, was that yeah. something like you came up with this concept oh. or had an idea about a book that was full of dogs? Was that a challenge for you or are you oh, yeah. just really good at was were animals yeah. like in your wheelhouse where you were like, yeah, I know yeah, how to okay. draw animals and dogs and stuff like that. It was terrible. I was, I was, I was terrible. Yeah. So it you're into self abuse, is what you're saying? <laughs> like, I drew the first eight pages like probably half a dozen times before I even showed them. Before I even met Lindsay, I redrew the first eight pages half a dozen times. Yeah. And then the actual like when Lindsay and I were working on it, I still like I filled an entire sketchbook just trying to draw dogs. And, you know, I would draw from reference. Yeah. And then I try to draw from memory and then I draw from reference and then draw from memory. And like each time what I drew from memory started to look a little bit more like maybe a quadruped animal of Earth. origin. <laughs> yeah. Um, and eventually, eventually now on book four, they're kind of starting to look like dogs. <laughs> they look like dogs. They look like dogs. That's like potatoes with legs, you know. <laughs> oh, jeez. Is that the first draft, Mr. Potato Dog or something? Or like. No, but, but actually, as we're talking to you right now, we're sitting in front of Jail's computer, and he has an entire pack of little dog figurines sitting in front of his monitor. So, oh, like, nice. Yeah, I just ordered them on like Amazon. Yeah, we like have there's um one for each member of the pack the except for um Humility who's a mutt, so we have one of each of his parents. I'm <laughs> trying to remember. There's the two big companies that do that. Um is Schlee is one of them. And I can't remember the other one. And but they're just like little yeah, plastic make... figures of dogs. Yep. Yeah, yeah oh, they make God. all different animals. Yeah, you but can they're, get they're quite lifelike you know if you go to like a, a gift store in like any national park you'll find those plastic figures of whatever animals are in that park oh gotcha. uh, those are usually i think the big one is Schley makes those and they make pretty much any animal you can think of even fantasy animals and prehistoric animals and, oh wow you know, um so i was able to get almost all of them um, again, except for humility, because humility is a mutt, but humility is a first generation mutt. Um, humility's parents were a chihuahua and a, a bull terrier. So I just got a little chihuahua and bull terrier toy and have them next to each other. Gotcha. Those are humility's parents. That's great. I mean, uh, I remember as a kid, you used to be able to buy like farm sets and they would come yeah, with like yeah, the totally. giant plat. They had like tons yeah. of animals and like little plastic yeah. animals. I miss those things. Those things were oh. great. <laughs> Is great. And so you can get those of dogs, um, but yeah. often they're show dogs, which not really any of the pack dogs are show dogs. Yeah, so there's still a little imagination. Right so there. like if you get one of those packs of dogs, maybe you'll have like a German Shepherd in there. Got it. But like you're probably not going to have a Mastiff, a, a Blue Dane and a Wolf, you know, and yeah, like yeah. a pit you're definitely not going to get a pit bull. Right. Um, and, and <laughs> you're not going to get it. I'm looking at all of them now, and, like, the Great Dane is definitely taller than the other dogs, but, like, the wolf is not nearly big enough. And oh, gotcha. And Mastiff probably isn't big enough either. So, you know, there's still a lot of – Jail has to do yeah, a lot of, sure. um, I don't know, imaginative work to make it work, but he does have these uh, figurines in front of him at all times. <laughs> got it, got it. Let's talk about the gentrification aspect of this because it kind of creeps in. I actually found it kind of like really funny. And you guys are, 
I, I feel like, well, not necessarily treading on dangerous ground, but I mean, like you've got a coffee place called Tarbuck, right? And, and Tarmucks. Yeah, Tarmucks. <laughs> that's what it is, Tarmucks. And, uh, and, you know, there's like a giant food, you know, grocery stores like coming in, but you, 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 you kind of mess with the, the Tarbucks logo, a little Tarmucks uh, logo a little bit in there. And, uh, yeah, I know people have gotten sued for that. So be careful. Uh, oh, yeah. but uh, we like the danger territory, but we also <laughs> have studied it. And, you know, I know someone that literally, or I know of someone, I don't know them personally, but I know someone who knew them and I've read about them who was sued by Starbucks for having uh, Starbucks in their comic. Yeah, it was Kieran, um, yeah, Kieran Dwight, right? Like that was the yeah. name? Yeah, Kieran yeah. yeah, yeah. A big lawsuit, uh, right? Yeah, and that was really bad for Starbucks PR. Oh, was it? I, you know, I wasn't yeah. sure how, how that ended up. So. And so I think Starbucks since then has allowed more um, lampooning and spoofing, especially with like, Small creatives. It's like, yeah. Well, and well you're not using the direct store. logo either. Like, oh no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, this it, isn't Starbucks. It's Tarmux, and Tarmux. it's way better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that's sort of the double-edged sword of corporations making themselves so huge too, because at some point you actually lose the ability to sue people for using your name and your logo once you're so ubiquitous that, that you become an epidemic. You're, yeah, yeah, you're synonymous with that thing. Like Band-Aid yeah. and Kleenex. Um, Xerox. Well, I'm not sure if Jell-O's there or not, but like at, at, at some point when you become so huge, your name becomes synonymous with the thing that you sell. And sure. I think that Starbucks is bordering on that right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So and, and that's why we're making fun of them because you know, part of the gentrification process is like where there used to be a cute little mom and pop diner where you could get coffee for, you know, 50 cents and free refills. Now you have to pay $5 for a drip coffee with a stupid name attached to it that yeah. has the logo all over it. Or more like $8. And it doesn't even taste yeah. good. Um, and that's a big part of, yeah, what we're talking about. And so part of that is it's not specifically about that company whose name I don't think we should mention anymore in this podcast. That's totally fine. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. I think about. you can get away with saying it a few times, but, you know, <laughs> there are, there are uh, AI listening. So, seriously, though, I think it's not specifically about any one corporation, sure. but it is just about that mentality of, like, this corporation can do it bigger and better and advertise more than all these mom and pop companies. But then you, all you're left with is these corporate entities who have completely destroyed the economy. Yeah. Or I the mean, copycats, right? It all up, mm -hmm. you know? So like, there's no longer a local economy that is perpetuating itself. Now it's all being funneled up to people who are literally taking rocket ship rides around earth because we were billionaires you yeah. know yeah and that's what happens <laughs> yeah. like and no one even has a living wage anymore yeah. like there is literally no place in the u.s where one entry-level 40-hour-a-week job can provide a home for you yeah there no, just isn't yeah yeah and yeah that's bonkers. yeah you know? it's it's really funny because like the thing that 
and not to get too much into this conversation about like corporate entities and stuff like that, because there's other stuff I want to talk about, like your book. Um, but, (laughs) but I mean, I feel like it's this race to the sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the fancy stuff, right? Like Starbucks. Oh, it opens up. It's nice. It seems fancy. They have fancy names and stuff like that, but it's like, we're all racing towards that. And then you just forget about, you know, to Lindsay's point, you know, there was a diner down the street where I could get 50 cent coffee, but now because they feel they have to chase, you know, Tarmux or whatever. Now Mm -hmm. they've got to, you know, have a $5 coffee with a fancy name and everyone's kind of like chasing the upper echelon of, of stuff. Everybody's got to have oat milk. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I I really do like oat milk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I I tried oat milk and it messed with my stomach. So no oat milk for me, but yeah, yeah. I was one of those unfortunate people. So for me, it's soy. I don't know. Leave me alone. I like soy. (laughs) I'm also a big fan of soy milk. Yeah. I also like coconut milk if it's thick enough. Yeah. Coconut milk just tastes too much like coconut, man. I can't like, it's just, Uh, I can taste the coconut. Like anytime there's like coconut ice cream or can you tell that I'm dairy intolerant? Like I can't like, (laughs) like, or for the most part, I mean, I eat cheese, so I don't know. There's whatever, but I won't drink a whole glass of milk. Don't come at me. Milk. Yeah. yeah. If I drank a whole glass of milk, I'd be sick. Yeah. I would be sicker than Um, a dog. Uh, Sorry. That's a bad phrase. (laughs) I didn't mean to say like, uh, uh, but um, no, my point being that, um, yeah, it's just like a race to be the fanciest and everyone gets caught up in it. And then before you know it, there's nothing sort of like uh quote unquote regular that you can just get anymore. You know, it's just, everything is kind of like wrapped in a bow and looks fancy and, you know, and, and it's just like, we're all trying to chase that, you know what I mean? And there's so, nobody yeah. going like, Hey, what happened to my, you know, 50 cent cup of coffee, you know, that I could just get, you can't get right, that right. anymore. You right. know what I mean? Because everything's been and to speak to that further, it's you know there's yes there is the keeping up with the Joneses mentality yeah. of people trying to do the fancy thing and trying to do what's trendy. Yeah, but it's also really important to realize you know like we have the little bodega, Carlo and Juanita's bodega, and yeah, that comes in in issue four. Okay, yeah. so they haven't seen that yet. No, right? they mentioned it but, in three. You mentioned the thing about a bodega disappearing. Yeah, in, I think in three or two, I'm not sure, but it's mentioned in there. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, with these little like bodegas, they are that's a family owned business. Yeah. You know, they don't have advertising. They can't put set up stands at every subway stop and give you freebies to get you hooked on it. And they can't, you know, have like fancy art installations set up designed to like just get their name everywhere. Yeah. Whereas these big corporations these are, you know, multinational bank-backed corporations right. that literally can afford to burn money just to get you to think of nothing else but them. Yeah. And then when everyone else is out of business, that's when they jack the prices up incrementally until yeah. you're paying $10 for something you used to be able to get for 50 cents. Yeah, yeah. And that's a strategy. I remember when I was working at a certain pet store a while back, um, a competitor, the two big pet stores now, uh, a competitor opened down the block. And I was like, well, what's the point of that? We're both going to go out of business. Yeah. And I remember bringing that up when the regional manager was there and the regional manager was like, you don't understand. They're not trying to get, they didn't put that store there to be profitable. They put that store there to hurt our profits. Yeah. Yeah. So like these corporations literally have, just millions of dollars to burn. Yeah. 
just to be the only one left. Yeah. They're not actually worried if that store makes any money. They just want to put everyone else in the area out of business. Yeah. yeah. And it's like playing chess. Well, like these are their pawns, and, you know. And in pack we we're showing that but also we're showing how that can be tied in with local government. Right. How when there are people that have their fingers in that pie, um they can get into positions of power and sort of clear the way yeah. for these large corporations. Mm -hmm. And uh, we see that in Sally Huffman, who's sort of like the big bad, who we don't see her very often, but we know what she's up to. <laughs> and it yeah. ain't good for people who live in this neighborhood. She's running for Senate in the book. And it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, very much like, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting to get like all, but the thing of it is, is the thing that I've kind of been noticing over the past couple of years, which is, maybe a bit of a positive trend. And I, I don't know, like, so like years ago, my wife and I have been married for like over 20 years now, but on our oh, honeymoon, gosh. yeah, <laughs> on our honeymoon, we went to Italy. Right. And, um, nice. I was in Italy and, you know, fortunate enough to go to Italy and in Rome, I actually found a comic book shop, right? Like I found like, I was like, Holy cow, how did I find a comic book shop? And it was this little kind of like rundown place selling like old comics and like recycled. Nice. And there was a little old man and he was like, you know, I, I don't know if anyone knows, like I've mentioned it on this podcast before. Dylan Dog is like an Italian thing. Like, and he's like, Dylan Dog. And he's like selling me a time. And I was just like, is this the future of like comic shops? And at this time, again, 20 years ago, there were Borders. There was, you know, mm. I don't know if anyone remembers Borders. I used to love Borders. Oh, yeah. oh, bookstore. I love borders. They would send uh -huh. out their like 10%, 20% coupons in, the e in your email and you would go get whatever manga or graphic, you know, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, and record stores and DVD stores and stuff like that. And it's interesting to me. It seems like the trend oh, yeah. lately is it's not sustainable to keep going at that level. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, they build, they build, they get big and then it becomes it becomes, you know, it's too, uh, what's the phrase? Uh, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Right. And yeah, then what sure. I've seen at least in LA is the rise of like used record stores or used like right. DVD stores or like little comic shops or used bookstores, like, like all over the place. And it's become what seems to be happening now is this recyclable culture, right? Like where it's yeah. like, Hey, you don't need the new stuff, or at least that's where my brain is because I'm a parent and I'm older and I'm like, I want to save money. Like, I'm going to go to these places that are, you know, giving me the stuff that I could get anywhere else. You know you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it doesn't mm -hmm. seem like the path that we're on is necessarily sustainable. I mean, obviously, Starbucks and McDonald's are still in business, you know, but it, it seems like there's this new rise of like small businesses coming back up in the wake of the collapse of the large businesses. Yeah. Am I making well, any sense? There's, so. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on there. I think like a lot of it is people, you know, of a certain age, <laughs> like myself, um, <laughs> who like we do. We kind of miss that ability to like, you know, walk into a store and see something that you didn't see at the last store you were in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but there's also yeah, like the the way that those corporations work, the way that our whole society works, is based on this idea that you have to grow. Yeah. You have to like all sustainability comes from continued growth. Yeah. Makes and therefore no sense. all the corporations have to spread their fingers into as many markets as possible. They have to beat out the competition. They have yeah. to be bigger. They have to buy up the competition. Yeah. And it's not, it's that is fundamentally not a sustainable way of surviving. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. I mean, my so thing. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. No, sorry. 
No, I was no. going to say my thing has always been like whenever I have this discussion, whatever at my day job or like other, you know, with people like you or things like that, it seems like growth is the thing. But I'm like, what about stability? Like, yeah. what about, you know, yeah. like being stable? Yeah, yeah, sustainability or or even just stability, being able to employ people, yeah. being able to keep the company stable. Like, you know what I mean? Because right. it seems like Absolutely. rapacious growth also just leads to instability. You know what I'm saying? And within not just the economy, but, you know, the country, everything. Right. And yeah. nobody's looking and, and at that. That's what we're seeing in PAC is like the, the people yeah. who have lived in this neighborhood for their whole lives are being forced to leave because yeah. the growth of like the money is pushing them out. Yeah. And that's exactly what we saw when we lived there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, you know, oh no, go ahead, JL. Sorry. I keep interrupting. I was just going to say, I think, you know, I remember very much seeing the, the spread of Blockbuster yeah, and all of the mom and pop video stores that just fell to the spread of Blockbuster, you yeah. know? like this empire growing and just all these little small entities just that were sustainable for a long time Yeah, that, you know, kept money in local economies that kept people employed, you know, and this huge, like just growing tyrant came through and just spread and took everything over and destroyed everything. And then they were left with literally no competition and they stagnated so badly without competition yeah. that the first innovative thing to come out, Netflix, was just like, psh, boom, Blockbuster was dead yeah. overnight. Yeah, It was like, yeah, you became so hardened and calcified that like literally one little stone cast just shattered your entire well, empire. Also greed, and what's right? The good of it? Because Blockbuster, they ran off of those overdue fees. Like that's basically what they were making their money on, right? Yep. And then along yep. comes Netflix and is like, you can hold on to this DVD for like a as month as you if want. you want. Yeah. <laughs> right? Remember DVDs, folks? I do. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying like like I I remember I remember signing up for that Netflix account, like through the mail the first time. Oh, and yeah. they're like, you can hold on to this DVD for as long. And I was like, what do you mean for as long? Like two months? And they were like, as long as you want to hold on to it. And I was just like, what? Like, that's yeah. crazy. Like, <laughs> that you know. And they, they realized the DVD costs them, you know, 20 cents. Yeah. But your loyalty as a customer is invaluable. Yeah. yeah and right. taking down another empire is invaluable. Yeah. So yeah. that's what that was about. Yeah, right? absolutely. 100%. So, I mean, which kind of leads me to a, a little bit of another uh, conversation. And I know we're getting up towards an hour, so uh, I don't want to oh. keep you longer than, you know, uh, you want to be kept. But uh, the one thing that I that I, I am fast. <laughs> What's that? I said, I can do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Captain America. Uh, uh, I think that, um, <laughs> as could I, <laughs> um, the one thing that I, that, that I found interesting about, and we were talking about the aesthetics of the book, right? The look of the book and how much it reminded me of stuff like The Dark Knight Returns and, and, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and how those books rose out of sort of the social upheavals of the eighties, right? Like of like oh, yeah. gang violence of like, you know, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, I'm from the East coast originally. I mean, I grew up in, um, I just watched a documentary about, and I cannot remember the name about, um, uh, midnight cowboy, right? Like the, the sixties movie and stuff like, and how mm -hmm. New York, the city, um, very much like influenced the making of that, 
how it was made and stuff like that. It's a great documentary if you can find it. Uh, it I would recommend watching it. Uh, I think I checked it out on Canopy, which is like a thing that you get through your local libraries, like a subscription service. Oh, nice. Yeah. And um, so anyway, but I grew up in that, in and around that 70s, 80s New York where it was like run yeah. before Giuliani, you know, Disneyfied it and you went through the gentrification and it just, you know, and then the pandemic has happened with us and things have gone up and down. But it's just interesting to me. Uh, what I'm curious about is when you went in to make this book, how did the aesthetic develop? Was that something that you were like <laughs> wanting to go at from the beginning or as you were drawing and creating it? Is it something that grew out of like the things that you were talking about or and the things that you were influenced maybe from the 80s or whatever period, the 90s? Like how did the aesthetic of this thing grow? Because as I was reading it, like I was like, oh, like you very much captured that essence, especially for somebody like me who like lived through it and has been reading stuff like this for a long time and was influenced by it. Like how did, what were, what was the thought of like how you were going to design the look of the book? Because I, I'm just fascinated by it. Cause it yeah. wasn't until like the second issue, I was like, like my dumb brain clicked and I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> You know, and, and I fully got what you were going for as like as a total package. There's a couple of things there. Um, one thing that just sprang to mind that I hadn't even thought of um, until I just recently saw an ad for a retro toy that I remember when it came out and I was like angry about it. Um, there <laughs> what was, toy like, is you know, that? With G.I. Joe's in the 80s, they were like, you know, camouflaged and wearing, you know, like things that you were like, yeah, I can pretend that these are my, you know, whatever. I can pretend that this is the cast of Predator, you know, yeah, running yeah. through the jungle that is my grass, right? Got it. Uh, and then all of a sudden, there was like this click where the next generation, I think it was sometime around the late 80s, early 90s, where it was all neon. Yeah. And I was like, why are they running into battle wearing like neon clothes? Yeah. Like, what is this? Like bright orange and yellow <laughs> and bright like magenta. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, go to a rave in that, but don't <laughs> run through my grass, yeah. you know, running from the predator. Like, what the is cobra, that? The cobra rave. Yeah, you know, cobrave. Cobrave. Oh my God, um, that's hilarious. So that, that right there, that always kind of stuck with me. Um, but I also, you know, I thought about like my favorite, you know, characters in that time were like the crow, um, mm. Casey Jones, as you said before, there's like, you know, like Wolverine is always like so gritty and Raphael was so gritty. And, um, you know, I think that sensibility also like the warriors, you know, Oh yeah. Great movie. Very just like torn leather dirty gritty like you know crop tops and muscles out and like <laughs> sexy, right like it's like weirdly like before high fructose corn like, syrup oh, yeah kind of fetishy you know you know what i mean like yeah but it's like i just didn't want to have this like muscle bound like forgive the term but like male power fantasy got character. it in yeah. like bright spandex sure i just always <laughs> yeah like, that's a specific fetish that i feel like is overdone in like the superhero and comics community in general sure and i wanted something that was just like 
He's a wiry, scrappy dude with like leather gloves and like a iron mask that he welded himself. You yeah. know, like it's he's not like it looks there's, homemade. there's another dog comic out there where there is a superhero that's a dog. And I no shade, but like, you know, he's got like spandex and like a, a dog mask that looks more like something you would wear to a fetish party than something you would wear to fight crime. I think I know which and, one you're you know, talking it's about. Like, yeah. Again, no shame on the fetish party because like Tracy Queen is also one of our comics and oh, that and would be very appropriate there. She has such a crush on Patience. Yeah. <laughs> patience is, he's astray. He's angry. He's wrath. He is that feeling that you have when you're like, man, if I could have met this poor dog's previous owners, that feeling, that's patience. Yeah. You know? That boiling wrath, like, I didn't want him to be, like, in bright spandex. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I wanted him to be in, like, ripped, dirty leather. If it gets more ripped, he's not concerned. You know? Like, sure. Do you think that, in a way, the aesthetic of Pac is the way that he sees the world? Oh, that's dirty, interesting. grungy, mm -hmm. just, yeah. Like, you can't afford to try to keep something clean. So yeah. there's no... No one wears white here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, and that's actually, I've been thinking about this, like, um, since you asked the question, Christian, like, there's this very real reality of New York, yeah. which is yeah. that you can clean it up as much as you want. Giuliani, you know, did his damnedest. Oh, yeah. And there are certain parts of New York that are, like, more or less sanitized oh, now. Oh, God. Whoa. But it's dirty. It's a Filthy, filthy city. Like I, yeah. I went back to you know visit friends um, in the fall, and I love New York. I mean, yeah, I, me I miss it all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's filthy. It's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. And, yeah. 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 I'll go on. You know, I'm sorry. No matter whether um, you do something probably very criminal to get unhoused people off the streets, like yeah. Giuliani did. God knows what happened. Oh yeah. gosh! Nobody yeah. knows, but it was just like sure all of a sudden, okay. a thousand people just disappeared <laughs> in the blink of the eye. Yeah, like he just literally Thanosed them. Well, he put them on buses. What happened to them? He put them on, which is what they're doing with migrants now. He put them on yeah. buses and took, sent them other places, and nobody yeah. made a big deal out of it back then. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and and you can put in as many you know corporate coffee chains as you want, and you can you know make it friendly to the really really rich people who want to live in this neighborhood now. Yeah. But like reality is, it's a filthy city. There's yeah. a huge right now. They're having a gigantic rat problem. Yeah. Um, which like exploded during the pandemic and hasn't gone away. I mean, there's roaches and there's there's just literal. Well. Filth. Everywhere. Let me tell you a story about one of the first times I took my daughter to New York City. Um, <laughs> we were in Times Square, which is supposed to be like the now it's it's just a mess with all the costume people and stuff like that. But we were, in, sure. which is supposed to be like the most tourist friendly. We're stand, we're by the tickets booth, and we're trying to figure out like, oh, should we go see a show? Like, which show should we go? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. there's a dude who like literally whipped his thing out and just started peeing um, on one of the no. newsstand, like right when my daughter was there, and it was just like, what the fuck? Like it was like literally like, and I was like, that is the most New York thing that you're ever gonna like you're in the middle of times square 
and yeah. like this dude whips his junk out and in front of tourists and just starts peeing like and it wasn't even like he was a drunk or like a homeless like he was just he was like a dude and he had like you know sweats on and like like you know uh, just like well i gotta pee yeah he so just he just like whipped it out and i was just like wow the more things change the more they still like i was just like holy cow but i mean it's so true yeah one of the things we always tell people when they're like oh we're going to visit new york i'm like cool cool so if you're waiting for a subway train and the train pulls up and all of the cars are crowded except one car don't get in that don't get in that car (laughs) there is something horrible there is something yeah like someone pooped in the middle of that car for sure yeah like if you're if that car is empty don't get in it as tempted as you might be to be like oh look we get a whole car to ourselves no no there's a reason it's empty you know have you ever oh no sorry go ahead i I think that there's like there's still like a realness to new york in that way that like you you can be as rich as you want you can be taking private cars as much as you want to the fanciest restaurants and you are still gonna have to walk around giant piles of trash you you yeah and and puddles of pee and vomit like and and your gun, the soles of your shoes are gonna be nasty. Yeah, like that's yeah. just true. And there's there's a certain reality to that that applies across all of humanity. Like we're we're living on a planet that has dirt and pee and poop and grit and bad things happening. And I think that you know a lot of American life is very cleaned up at this point. You know, yeah. with like suburbia and big box stores and corporations, you know, hide a lot of that from us. But, but what PAC is really fundamentally doing is like bringing it back down to that level of like, yeah, we're all, we're struggling. Yeah. And we're kind of in the dirt and we're in the grit and here we are, let's look at it. And, and, you know, we want to make it's entertaining too. It's a good story. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, fun. yeah. It's I mean, fun. it is that feeling of like, I would just go punch that guy in the face. Well, patience, you through patience, you get to do that. You, you know, know? <laughs> you yeah. get to go and punch that guy in the face. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, and, and you know, like we're talking a lot about like physical media and back in the day when we were growing up, how different things were. And you know, like a lot of what I think the internet has done is take us sort of out of that that melange of people being gross in each other's in each other's space, you know? Um, But, you know, on, on the, the, the street level of just like living your life, especially in New York, it is kind of claustrophobic and kind of dirty. And that's where real life happens. And I think PAC is very much dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're very successful. I mean, as I, as I was reading it and going through it, I was like, and then the other thought that I really had too, is just the stuff that you're tackling in, in this book is not something that, you know, quote unquote mainstream comics. I mean, maybe there's like a couple of special issues of Batman or something, you know what I mean? But like, (laughs) it doesn't seem to be something that is something that is getting looked at, you know, that deeply in today's, kind of media at all really uh without it sort of being tagged as like oh this is kind of like a retro sort of throwback to like again new york 70s and 80s which you know this kind of reminded me a bit of that but it's kind of like trying to discuss issues that are currently happening that maybe people are not really that clued into or maybe have stopped caring about completely yeah it's sort of like an old school take on a a newer issue. Yeah. And I feel like 
these huge corporations are not going to produce materials that point out how these huge corporations might be the problem. Yeah. They're just not. Yeah. 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 I mean, the whole system is kind of effed. So like, it just seems like right. the, the, you know, the way we keep heading in that direction, just of unbridled capitalism, you know, I just, I don't know sure. that that's, that's the solution. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, but before I forget, the, the name of that documentary is called Get Ready for This Title. It's amazing. Desperate Souls, Dark City, and the Legend of Midnight Cowboy, which, like, that's wow. an amazing title. That is uh, that was a good all right. title. All right. I was just going to say also, like, Dark City, that kind of aesthetic. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. That's a great flick. a little, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. cool. I, I would recommend while we're talking about things that sort of capture the, the like, grit but have a newer take on it. Uh -huh. um, I would recommend to anyone out there, Broad City. If you've never heard of it, look up the show it's Broad City. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, now a little bit retro. I'm not sure when it started up, probably like 2010s-ish. Uh -huh. um, but it's a, it's a newer story that still takes place in New York, and it really gets that kind of like gritty real-life experience of not having any money and trying to live in the city and that's great you know the filthy subways and all of that uh strongly recommend that and russian doll which is oh a, yeah russian doll is great yeah, yeah a yeah. newer an even newer story but still gets that, that real gritty yeah, yeah that grit yeah yeah there was something that i watched recently where I, I i and i wish i could remember what it was it was a fictional movie but i was like wow you guys nailed it. Like, like you guys nailed what it was like being in New York city or around it. Like, you know, when, when in the seventies and eighties, like there was, I wish I could remember what it was, but it was like within the last year where I was just like, it was something on streaming too, where I was just like, Holy cow. Oh, um, like, yeah. What was the name of that, that series about, um, Oh, it was Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, and it was about basically like sex work in the seventies around, Times Square. Oh, oh, yeah, that, um, yeah, it was, was it called. Yeah, it was set in Times nuts. Square. Yeah, yeah, that one was yeah. a little on the nose. Closer. Like it was trying too hard for me. Like yeah, I was it like was trying a little yeah. too hard. But there was another but, one recent, and I can't remember what it was, and I wish I could remember, but I remember just being like, oh, yeah, you guys got mm -hmm. it. Like that feeling of just like, I, I, I was a kid, so like you know, I, 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 one of my specific memories is my uncle taking me to a movie theater in Times Square to see like a documentary about like Sasquatch or like Bigfoot and what? coming out and seeing the poster for like Dawn of the Dead and no, just like no. being surrounded by all the prostitutes and, and every and just like this fear of just like oh the city like it's gonna get me oh, like you know city. what I mean yeah just so yeah those are some really hardcore yeah. memories from when I was a kid but totally. but I'm in the city oh no yeah yeah but I love New York I love I I mean I love New York I, I wish I could move back there and live comfortably but probably not yeah <laughs> probably yeah. not um so any final words on 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 pack I keep wanting to call it the pack so but but pack like any anything so, you want that we haven't discussed that you want people to know well i want people to know that we have a kickstarter live right now yes yeah. and For that the month of february you know we have a lot of add-ons so if you're looking at our reward tiers and you're like ah, i don't really want this but i want that and i wish i could just get all four of them printed like you can start at a base level nice. and get whatever you want a la carte added on yeah 
Um, and that is for the whole month of February. And and uh, including some Tarmux merchandise. Yeah. We actually have a whole oh, line oh. of Tarmux merchandise, <laughs> including Tarmux coffee, uh, which wow. are available as add-ons on the campaign. So if you want the, like, the fully immersive experience, you wow. can get that. <laughs> You're walking so the line there. You are walking oh, yeah. the line. That is well, great. <laughs> That's it awesome. also appears in Mr. Guy, which will be our next Kickstarter for the month of May. May. Oh, wow. Uh, and it also appears in Tracy Queen, which will be the following Kickstarter in August, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tracy Queen is obsessed with Tarmux. Like, that's like her <laughs> source, you know. That's yeah. great. That's great. Uh, Patience hates it. Uh, Tracy loves it. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I got that from reading this book. Uh, where can people find you online? So the Kickstarter is live now at yeah. kickstarter.oneshipress.com. That's okay. O-N-E-S-H-I-P-R-E-S-S.com. Okay. Um, and anytime that you hear this episode, you can go to that link, kickstarter.oneshipress.com, and it will take you to the current Kickstarter that we have live or the next one that's coming up. So it's evergreen. It will always take you to what we're up to. Nice. Um, and you can also visit our website at oneshipress.com to find out all about us, visit our online store, get all the goodies you like. Nice. We have a website for all of our individual projects as well. So packcomic.com is a website for the pack. We have mrguycomic.com. We have tracyqueen.com. Um, you know, so... That you can all find through oneshipress.com, though. Oh, that's and we have socials for all those as well. We're on Facebook. We're on X or whatever. We're on Instagram. <laughs> we're on You're on guy. Twix. You're on Twix. Yeah, I know. Twix, yeah. Twix, uh, Twix, Twix. No, no Twix. Uh, talk about a thing I'm waiting to uh, hit, you know, collapse. Like, that's that's the big thing for me. Just like, yeah. yes, unsustainable. Uh, <laughs> In any case, Oneshi Press. The book is called Pack. It is the fourth issue. Uh, Lindsay G and JL Draco, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you. you. That was so much us. fun. Yeah, what a, a great I really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. Anytime. And uh, please go support Pack. I have already thrown it a couple of bucks because uh, I very oh. much enjoyed the first three. Thank you for sending me yeah. these. Uh, yeah, the aesthetic is just great. Like, I really enjoyed it and just like, Obviously, I love dogs, so, you know, I'm a dog lover. So if you love dogs, if you love 80s, 90s gritty comics, if you love uh, fighting the man, um, go support Pack. So uh, on Kickstarter now. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, my name is Christian Horn. Uh, this has been another episode of the Part-Time Fanboy Podcast. Uh, you can check us out on parttimefanboy.com. Our email is ptf at parttimefanboy.com. Uh, we are still on Facebook. We are still on Instagram. We have abandoned the hellscape that is Twix. Um, uh. Please go to Kickstarter, support pack. And thank you for listening. And we will be back soon with another episode. Bye. Bye.